Guys, people, on today's show, we talk about God and basketball with player development and sports performance coach Ivory Ford from Fifth Quarter Performance. Ivory details her story growing up as a young basketball player and even talks about this one moment when she stormed into the audience because she was mad at the refs and her grandma had to put her in her place. We talk about how good things can become an idol and how no matter how good you are or something, you need to deny yourself. And right about now, you should sit back, relax, and enjoy the inspiration. My wife thinks I'm crazy. How did we get here? I can't believe y'all let me have a show. We going higher and higher, let me inspire you. Guys, people, I see you, let me admire you. He gave you vision and purpose, but you struggled to dream. Cause the seed that was sown wasn't stitched in your jeans. What was in them was denim. I guess what's in them is in them. There's a different perspective that I'm trying to present them. It ain't always peace when you see the peace sign. It don't make you a Levite cause you rock Levi's. What's up, people? I am your host, Jay Will. And I would like to welcome you to Inspire God's People, where we balance faith and business to guide you to your purpose. You can't survive off of a pre-approval. All right, hear me out real quick. I can't stand pre-approvals. I can't stand them. No, I can't. Listen, people. I hate pre-approvals. Like, I'm talking about you get the joint in the mail. It's you are pre-approved for a business Amex. You're pre-approved for a mortgage refinance. You're pre-approved for a brand new car. Y'all get them in the mail. And you know what I don't like about pre-approvals? Don't laugh at me. You know, look, let, let me tell you this. I came from the hood. From nothing. I had to learn things. Like when you come from poverty, number one, I thought about this today. There's a lot of good things that come from poverty. Like there's a lot of good things you can gain. I think I'm going to do a show about that. Sidebar. Back to the point. When you come from nothing, like you have a lot of learning to do. When you start at the bottom, like for real. And it's like, all right, you at the starting line. You at go. It's a lot you're going to learn, okay? So y'all can laugh at me, you know, but I've learned now. When I was younger, and I'm, let's just go, I don't know, college, right? You start getting pre-approvals. You, you know you're grown now. And even right after college. It ain't like I had this figured out just in college. But you get the pre-approvals, and, and like for me, when I was younger, I ain't really know the difference between a pre-approval and an approval. That's a problem. Why? Because I thought when you told me I was pre-approved, I don't know if like in my mind, I was just ignoring the pre, you know what I'm saying? Like those little three letters in the dash, that makes a big difference. But when I was younger, I was taking the pre-approvals as like, yo, I'm approved. And what I didn't like about it is like, you get the pre-approval just to have to call and still go through the process to see if you're approved. All right. So imagine me thinking I'm approved when I'm just pre-approved. I pick up the phone, I dial the number, 
And then you start taking my social, you want to run my credit. And I'm like, whoa, hold on. Why you got to run my credit? <laughs> I, uh, it, I thought you did that to pre-approve me. And, okay, let's go Bible with it, right? Second Timothy. Thim- <laughs> I can talk, people. Second Timothy 2 and 15. In the King James Version, this is the scripture that says, study to show yourself approved, all right? Not pre-approved. Like the Bible don't say, study to show yourself pre-approved. In the New Living Translation, it says it this way. Work hard so you can present yourself to God and receive his approval. Not his pre-approval, his approval. Be a good worker, one who does not need to be ashamed and who correctly explains the word of truth. Now, why am I talking about approvals and pre-approvals? Because to me, we live our life like a pre-approval sometimes. Like we got pre-approved faith, pre-approved discipline, pre-approved uh, consistency. We Like, if, if you be real with me, you live in life like, like, I'm almost kind of approved. Because that's what a pre-approval is. It really... All right, ladies, follow me on this. Imagine your guy proposes to you, but he don't propose. He pre pro I can talk. I can. Like, you ain't engaged. You pre-engaged. No, once that man gets on that one knee and proposes to you, in your mind, most of the time, I know people break engagements, but they must have had a pre-proposal. In my mind, like, look, no offense if you ever broke an engagement, but you was pre-engaged, okay? <laughs> because an approval means it's already done. Look, ain't no better feeling than getting approved for something and knowing you getting it. You get what I'm saying? That Well, it is a better feeling. That's an exaggeration. My point is this. If you are pre-approved in your living for God, then you're living in a way that's saying, God, I'm not really all the way for you. I just kind of think I want to one day go through the process potentially to see if I am for you. Because that's what a, like, you can still get denied with a pre-approval. That's what's crazy about it. A pre-approval. Oh, my goodness. Oh, I can say this word. I promise I can. A pre-approval is nothing but an invitation. And the problem with us is we get the invitation and act like we did something. We act like we made it. It's just on the surface, man. Keep going. Don't stop at the pre-approval. Like. Go all the way through to please God. Now, what, am I mean? what, are, what do I mean? I'm, I'm talking in every area of your life. Some of us, if I'm being honest, like we pre-approve. Oh, my. I quit. <laughs> I'm done. Oh, man. It's been a long day at work. I'm going to tell you that much. It's been a long year, and we in February. But, you know. That's just part of purpose. You know what I'm saying? I'm not pre 
proved in my purpose, I'm approved. I'm all the way in it. You know, I'm all the way committed. Anyway, at the end of the day, don't just live your life based on what it looks like on the surface. Because if you do that, you know, you'll get ahead of yourself, if you will. You know what I'm saying? And you haven't. It's almost like one of them things where you celebrate too early. That's kind of what I mean by this. A pre-approval makes you think you have something that you don't have yet. Study to show thyself approved. Study and finish it through. Don't just read one scripture and think you a Bible scholar. Don't just read a chapter. Don't just read for a month. Like, study to show thyself approved. The process of an approval means you actually went through something. Like, they got your credit. They know where you live. They know your whole history. They know what's in your bank account. At the pre-approval stage, they don't know much about you. Like, they probably bought your information off of some, like from something else, some, from another company. Y'all know that happens, right? They buy your, you go and apply for something and you like, man, why all of a sudden am I getting a hundred of these notices? Because they sold your information to another company. This is small print stuff that we don't read though. Anyway, I think it's time to jump into this interview. Uh, uh, uh. Before we do that, I just want to say thank y'all so much for rock, rocking with me. Um, it's my birthday week, man. So I'm excited about that. My birthday is this week. And um, yeah, I'm, I'm like, I'm feeling good. You know, it's always a blessing. Uh, when your birthday's coming up, you like to just take a step back. I'm not a person that likes too much attention on my birthday. I don't like to do too much. I like to kind of chill. Uh, hang out with my wife or something. And, uh, you know, I do like a gift or two. You know what I'm saying? I'm not going to lie about that. Um, like some nice things. But uh, other than that, I'm just chilling, man. Get out, get some fresh air, and maybe go to a restaurant or something. Other than that, I'm looking to release some new music um, entitled The Inspiration. So make sure you add J. Will Music to your Apple Music and Spotify playlist. I appreciate everybody who's rocking with my music. Everybody who shares my music, uh, whether it be online or whether you texting it to your friends or whatever, thank you so much. J Will Music, J W I L Music, all one word. Search it on every website or just Google J Will Music and tell somebody about it. The music, the inspiration. I don't know. It's gonna be out one of these days. When you're dealing with Apple, things are delayed right now because I guess so many people dropping music. So that's that. What else I got going on? Let me give y'all one more announcement at least. You know what I'm saying? Um, shoot me an email, JermaineWilsonMusic at gmail.com. Let me know what you've been thinking of the show so far this year. I'm excited about the things that are forthcoming. Um, I'm not going to lie. I'm constantly adjusting to a new schedule. Um, I've been extremely busy this year. Um, as y'all know, I've moved into the senior manager role senior sales manager role. And man, it's, look, it's a lot of work. Responsibility is a part of success. And I'm thankful to God for the opportunity um, to grow, to continue to grow in leadership. It's been amazing. My team is across the country. We cover the country. So, you know, you got different time zones and things. So I'm working all day. It happens, you know, 
But I'm balancing it out. Don't worry. I'm balancing it out. Enough about me. Let's get into this interview. Let me interview you. Here's what we gon' do. You gon' talk to me and I'm gon' talk to you. Maybe on the phone or possibly in person. Either way it goes, we gon' be talking purpose. All right, so before we get into the interview, um, let me just apologize to everybody out there who listened to the mistaken episode where somehow this interview was muted out. Um, I don't know, man. Look, I was working late. Success comes with a lot of failure. I have a sign in my room that says this. Success is built on failure. And I want y'all to know I have failed plenty of times in this show. But shout out to um, faithful listeners out there. I had a couple of y'all, you know, um, that reached out. The first was my Becca. So thank you, my Becca. Um, you reached out and let me know what was going on. Thank you, Kiana, for hitting me up and letting me know. And everybody else who let me know, like, yo, is something wrong with the show or um, am I tripping? Yes, it wasn't you. It was me. And so without further ado, let me please get out of your way now and let you listen to this interview. Yo, what's up, God's people? Man, I have on the line with me today an interview that we've been kind of going back and forth for a few months now. So I'm super excited to have this young lady on the line. Um, I got Ivory Ford, Coach Ivory, uh, CEO of Fifth Quarter Performance. What's up, Ivory? How you doing today? I'm great, Jermaine. How are you? I'm doing well, man. Now that I got my phone situation together, you know what I'm saying? I'm sorry about that. I had switch switch phone providers and you couldn't hear me phone breaking up. So, yeah, um, that's what happened when you switched to the more expensive uh, phone provider. But thanks. It's pretty early in the morning and uh, I think you are down somewhere in Texas, if I'm not mistaken, right? Yes, sir. East Texas. East Texas. That's what's up. So you are an hour behind me. So my first guess is like, wow, this must be like a super morning person because this time was at your request. So um, am I right? <laughs> you are correct. That's what's up. And I'm sure athletics has something to do with that. But um, before we jump into all that, you know, Ivory, if you could just tell us a little bit about yourself like who you were growing up i want to know like how did ivory become coach ivory so whatever you want to share about your childhood or um high school college days whatever it may be you know tell the people a little bit about yourself okay a little bit about myself um i grew up in a small town called lufkin texas it's about three hours from dallas uh two hours from houston and i gravitated to sports pretty early primarily because of my height I was tall. I don't even know how tall, but I've been I'm 5'10 now. I've been 5'10 a pretty long time. And gotcha. so I grew up playing city league basketball, grew up playing at a park that's right up the street from my house with one of my best friends, Sean. Um, and I grew up playing in the yard. And so my life really consisted of basketball and family starting off. Uh, my mother worked two jobs, so I wasn't really in church when I first started growing up. And that began to change a little bit when I started going to church with my, my auntie. Uh, my mom's situation changed to where she could go to church more. So we going to start going to church. And from that, then sports in church literally became my life on top of family. Um, what a lot of people have, don't know or that I have not shared with a lot of people is the Coach Ivory, a lot of people see now, had to go through quite a bit as it pertains to sport to mature as a young lady as well as an athlete. Um, one of the big things that I struggled with growing up was um, I was naturally gifted 
or talented in basketball. Um, it just came easy. I never really had any specific training about it. It was just getting out there, playing, being tall, um, having athletic abilities. But one thing that I struggle with is the relationship between a player and a referee. I had a pretty bad attitude, actually, to be honest with you all, because I thought that um, I thought that I was all that. And so <laughs> when the refs would call <laughs> a foul from block shot or anything of that nature, you know, I would get frustrated about it because I thought that they were just picking on me because of my talent. And of course, uh, being that young and people blowing your head up about this, that, and the other, you start to allow those things to take you to a place that sports never really supposed to take an athlete. And so that's one of the things that I dealt with young is just really understanding the relationship between a ref. And so um, as many of y'all probably know, having that type of mentality about yourself at a young age can be very detrimental as you grow up. And I remember particularly we were in a tournament and we were playing in a small town called Huntington, Texas, and I ended up getting a tech. In that particular game, my mother was not there, and uh, hmm. I got a tech, and <laughs> I did something that I'd never do again. Okay. I stormed off the court into the stairs with my grandmother because I was I was mad. I was pouting, and my grandmother told me up. I'm talking about wow. let me have it. And so that was one of the pivotal moments in my life as a young athlete because uh, we all know that discipline and chastisement um, can get people back on the right path. And then another incident was we were playing in, a, I think, an all-star game. And I remember the refs were, you know, doing what they do, and I began to get frustrated again. And I could hear from the sideline my mother calling out, keep your, keep your head, 10, keep your head. And so that resonated with me because at the time, of course, I didn't really know what keep your head mean, but I understand she wanted me to stay calm. And so as I got older and I thought about that, um, it just speaks to life and that how oftentimes things may not go our way. or Certain situations may cause us to feel a certain way, um, but it's our responsibility to not allow the situation to change us, but to keep our head enough to where we can change the situation or at least thrive through the situation. So those particular incidents in my younger days of basketball is what really began to get my attention. And so played through middle school. I get to high school, my ninth grade year, and it's kind of still the same, same conversation. It was many times I would walk in a gym and people, you could, you know, you could just feel the energy. Yeah. People gravitating or, hey, can I get your autograph? Just crazy stuff that a small town girl like me, it was different. You know, um, I did play AU, AAU a couple of years and um, it was just different for me. The attention and all those different type of things. And as I've gotten older, what I began to realize was that um, one of the main things I struggled with outside of sports is that I didn't have my dad in my immediate life. Knew who he was. Uh, okay. We just did not have the father-daughter bond. Um, and the crazy thing about it was that he was the one that I got my height from. So it was a little things that kind of start happening as I matured and start to recognize things and things of that sort. But it was just kind of, um, what's the best way to say it? It started making me feel a certain type of way because I started getting to the point where 
I wanted my dad to be there and he wasn't. But then every time I turn around, somebody's reminding me that, hey, you look like your daddy or you play mm-hmm. like your daddy or where do you get your height from? You know, and so I started dealing with some emotional things concerning that. And what began to fill that void for me was basketball, you know, because I could go and be me to a certain degree and get the praise and the love from people that I was desiring, seeking from my father at that time. So I got to um, ninth grade and went through preseason. I was a freshman on varsity, four-year freshman on varsity. Um, That was kind of a big deal around here. And um, we got to our last preseason game before district. We're playing a team called Winsboro. And I went up, blocked the shot, came down, hit the floor. Um, I didn't know what was wrong. I wasn't really in pain or whatever. But long story short, I ended up tearing my ACL the last preseason game before district. And I was out the rest of that, that season. And a part of the next season and so at that particular time all I knew was that I was injured you know uh, and that I couldn't play but as time progressed um, and the Lord started dealing with me and I started taking my relationship with him a bit more serious and really just getting to know him for myself I understood that that injury was to humble me that that injury was to tap me on my shoulder and let me know say like you're trying to take the credit for all of this. I gave you this gift. I gave you this talent. That's real. And that, that's when basketball for me became bigger than basketball. And um, wow, I kind of go into that a little bit more, even as it pertains to my decision not to play college. But that's just kind of the childhood is, you know, those two situations of, of learning, respecting people, um, and then understanding that, even though I'm gifted to do something, even though people may praise me and do all of these or put me on a pedestal, that it's my responsibility to let them know that it's not me, that it's him. I love that. Like, and, you know, I can hear, like, I can already see just from hearing kind of the backstory of your childhood, like, easily I could see, like, why you would end up going into coaching and developing younger players. Um, with all that you've been through, but but a couple things like stand out to me. Um, number one, you know, when you first start talking about like how you had an issue with the refs, my first uh-huh. question was going to be like, was that the only time that you saw that kind of like, if you rage, for lack of a better way to put it, like that mean streak? Like, was it only when you were on the course with refs or was it like, something that you were seeing in other parts in your life as you were growing up at home or in school? Um, or is it just simply a thing when you got on a court with those refs? It was really just when I got on the court with the refs, um, at school, I was, you know, I didn't, I didn't want to get in trouble. I was really a, a good girl. People call me the church girl, really. So like <laughs> school at home, everything was real chill. Uh, you know, you kind of argue with your siblings or whatever, but I didn't get like angry and stuff like that until I was on the court. Okay, no, that makes sense. That look, that little uh that little situation where you where you went off the court and, and grandma had to put you in check. Just oh, shout yeah. out to grandmas <laughs> in the world. You know what I mean? Uh my grandma was like that, where she would like yank us up in in a minute yes. and, and let us know. And I think what happens, Ivory, is like we forget sometimes how valuable those interactions were. 
with our mm-hmm. parents and grandparents. And like, you know, a lot of times I think today we are in such like this fluffy, soft society where it's like people like lose track of even the biblical examples of like, right. you know, spirit of rod, spoil the child, training up a child in the way they will go. And when they're older, they won't depart. Like we're forgetting the train. We just want to like soften these kids up. So I think that's super dope. Um, and I just I, I could instantly see it. it was weird. Like as you were saying it, I could see it. Like I'm like, oh, yeah, I see her grandma like putting her in check in that situation. Oh, but yeah. but here's where I want to like the one thing you said that I do want to unpack just a little bit, if you don't mind, because I think it's intriguing. You talked about how your dad wasn't there and how people like something as simple as your height. And people telling you like, oh, yeah, you remind me of him or whatever it may be, like kind of upset you and, and made the situation um, a little tougher with that. And I guess like I have my my thought or opinion. I, I have heard things similar to that before. But I'm curious for you, like, was it. Do you feel like that was because. Rather than his height, just using height as an example, you would have preferred him. Yeah. Okay. It's kind of like one of those things where, um, you know, a, a father would teach his son how to play football or throw a football or whatever, and vice versa. For the young ladies that do play basketball, you know, you would want dad to get out there and show you how to shoot or how to pass or how to catch or whatever, or teach you the IQ and the fundamentals of the game. And so when I realized that it was something I was good at, then I knew he played uh, juco ball. It was kind of like, well, man, you know, I wish daddy was here to show me these things um, and teach me these things because people constantly remind me, well, obviously that I took after him as it relates to basketball. Yeah. That's, and that's a, you know what, that's an important point that I think. um, And even the reason I asked was like for the young parents out there, a lot of times you think giving your kids things, you know, even something that they inherited from you, like their looks or their height, um, or just reminding, you know, people of you or even giving them things, PlayStation, whatever, that stuff never replaces time, like in relationship. And that's really what I heard with you is like, yo, like you play basketball, I play basketball. I don't just want your height and the God given things that were passed down. Like I want your time at the end of the day. So I think that was mm-hmm. super important. Um, all right. Now you, you kind of started talking about um, discipline and keeping your head these are things that I, I'm assuming are probably going to come back up as you um, talk about your coaching. But you were about to mention um, how. Oh, one more thing. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. The injury humbled you. Like, yes. <laughs> I I know that's simple. You know what I'm saying? But like, can you just unpack it a little more? Like what exactly? Like, because I hear you were getting autographs. You in a small town, AAU, all-star game, mean streak. Like, was it a quick process with the with the injury? Was it just like instantly like, oh, man, or what was that process of like you coming into the mindset and understanding that this was actually the Lord humbling me? So let's see, ninth grade year, um, I, I had calmed down quite a bit. The attitude wasn't there. I had learned, you know, how to keep my head and just play ball. Um, but again, it was still one of those things where, you know, people still praised me for being the church girl and for being the ball player. Those are like the two things that people just knew. Um, and the crazy thing about it was often a lot of people I didn't ever meet. You know, I just 
walk somewhere in a gym or whatever, and they just knew, which was it was weird um, mm-hmm. a lot of times because again, you're young. A lot of those things you don't understand. But um, of course, like any kid growing up, the whole popularity factor. Um, if you're not mature enough to handle it, can can take your mind different places. So for me, um, being a freshman on varsity, um, having the respect and the likeness of people, um, it was just, uh, it just blew my head up. There's really no other way to put it. Blew my head up, but it was kind of like I never walked around with the whole arrogance spirit. It was just like I knew what people thought of me, and I was like, yeah, I'm it, you know, that type thing. It just wasn't like I walk in and I'm just like everybody bow down. It wasn't that type of demeanor. I just internally, I knew like I was just it. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, and so with that, you lose sight of certain things. You lose sight of where you come from. You lose sight of, you know, the bigger picture of why you're quote unquote, or why you're calling yourself it. I'll put it that way. And you lose sight of, man, like all the things that grandma taught you about remaining humble and things of that nature. So at this particular time, you know, um, I'm in high school and people start talking about college, man, you need to play in college, man, you can go play in a league. You're good enough to do this. You play eight, like you start getting all these different conversations and people telling you what you should do and people telling you what their expectations are and all of these, you know, crazy things. And, um, it becomes overwhelming at some point because it, you're like, you just want to play ball. You want to have fun, ball with your friends, but then you got all of these outside forces and sources that begin to tempt you and begin to influence you. And so um, I could, I can't tell you how many times like people would talk about, I'm pretty sure y'all know Candace Parker. People yep. relate me to Candace Parker, not just in like skill, but even I favor the young lady. And, um, I would hear that, and you need to go play in the league, and da da da. So I started to be like, man, I probably can't go play in the league. And so it just, again, it, it just, it just started blowing my head up. And uh, I wasn't really keeping guy at the forefront. He had become more of a, a back burner type thing for me, and basketball had become an idol. That's just what it is. Um, it became something. <clears throat> excuse me. It became something that I could hide behind. It became something that what bridled me, it became something that um, I really had lost my true identity to because I had allowed it to be what I allowed to fulfill me, you know, um, instead of turning to Christ to fill the voice that I was feeling from the lack of a bond with my father, instead of turning to him for the guidance that I needed on my next move as a athlete and just as a young lady, um, I was turning to basketball. And I believe that that injury um, was really time for me to sit down and be like, okay, I can't play now. What do I do? I can't play now. Who do I turn to? I can't play now. People are not applauding me. I'm becoming an afterthought now. So all the things that were there to fulfill, to excite, to praise me, were now instantly gone in like a snap of a finger. One play. And so... um, that's when I really, again, began to, like, take my relationship with him more serious. And uh, it was kind of crazy because I go back a little bit. I got saved when I was 10 years old. And 
I got saved to a matter of fact, it wasn't even a sermon. My pastor was giving pastoral observations and our football team was doing very well that year. And he just began to use an analogy of football and how a lot of times in life we fumble the ball, but God's always there to help us and stuff like that. And uh, that's that sermon or sermon that moved me to the point where, you know, I gave my life to Christ that Sunday. And that stuck with me because it was like, man, I even gave my life to Christ on a <laughs> sermon that was related to sports. Yeah, that's dope. And uh, as I, you know, got older and I looked back on it, this particular injury, um, he kept reminding me, you fumbling, you fumbling, you fumbling, or you turning it over, you turning it over, you turning it over. And I was like, man, the only way I can really get over this and get back to the game plan is to turn back to him. And so I would share these things with my pastor, and he was a, a very instrumental in keeping me encouraged and keeping my, my mind right and things of that nature. So I came back uh, sophomore year with a, a different disposition about basketball. Um, same person as far as player, just a different disposition. And uh, he began to open some doors for me. I actually was able to get newcomer of the year that year. Um, the way that people would still applaud me was about the same, but it didn't mean the same to me anymore. And uh, mm. I really start, really start using that, you know, to, I know a lot of times we hear athletes say, well, first giving unto God or the glory to God. Like we say those things, but sometimes I think they just become a cliche, but like it really start meaning a lot to me. And I genuinely meant like all glory to God, because if he didn't bring me through the injury, I never would have been able to play again, you know? Yeah. And so that for me is how I knew um, that he was humbling me. And then that's when he really started dealing with me about college. And a lot of people don't know this, but I knew, <laughs> I knew my ninth grade year that I was not going to play ball collegially. Right. Wow. I just did not make that known into my 11th grade. year. So you Reason actually being, came out and made an announcement in 11th grade, like publicly that you weren't playing. College? I didn't really make an announcement. Um, but as people would ask me, I would start telling them that I'm just going to go to school to get my education. Uh, got you. And I'm assuming mm -hmm. because you were kind of popular word spread that that's interesting. Oh, yes. That's interesting because, and I definitely want to hear more about that. Um, one of the things you just said though, was like good things can become idols. So I want to revisit that before, before the end of the interview. But as it relates to this college thing, like, what was it? You know what I'm saying? Because it seemed, you know, I think for most people, right, they uh -huh. they do think, you know, I'm I'm playing this sport um, for where where it is going to do for me financially and my future and fame and all of those things. So I'm, it, it is unique, I, unique to me for um, a young ball player to make that decision fairly early. So I love to hear more about like what went into you knowing um, that you didn't okay. want to play college ball. Um, so like I was saying, I was playing AAU and it was this one particular team out of the Houston area that was really trying to talk my parents into, uh, encouraging me to play. And I just wasn't feeling it. And, uh, I remember one night, <clears throat> excuse me, one, I think it was one afternoon or something. I was sitting in the closet with my mama. She was working on some stuff, sorting, and we were just talking about school and sports and, do you want to play? And it's going to present this opportunity and all this. And I was just like, no, I don't know. I don't know. So, of course, you know, people think you're running from work or stuff like that. But what it really was like was Lord started really dealing with me early about 
like basketball. He was going to use basketball in my life, but not through playing. I didn't really know how in the ninth grade year. I just knew that college wasn't going to be the route when it comes to sports. And so uh, I prayed that day and it was real simple. I remember I was like, Lord, I don't know what I'm supposed to do, but I need your help. Just real simple prayer. Hmm. And um, I start just to kind of feel that peace. And I got back to loving the game for what it was and not trying to showboat, you know? Yeah. And so I think that's why things changed for me my sophomore year. So then fast forward and we get to 11th grade year. And uh, I had a dream one night because, you know, people start talking about, well, what are you going to go to school for? What are you going to study? So on and so forth. And I would just throw out, I'm going to be a physical therapist because outside of education, that was the only other uh, occupation I was exposed to for having to rehab for my knee. So cool. In school, you want to make money. So I was like, PTs make money. I could be around sports. We're going to go that route. And I had a dream one night. And uh, in the dream, it was like uh, that I was going to own a sports performance ministry. And I had no idea what that was. I'm not even going to lie to you. (laughs) I had never heard of sports performance. uh, But I knew like it was vivid in my dream. And this was my 11th grade year. And then, of course, you tie the word ministry to it. You're like, what? in the world is that right um what what kid wants to pursue ministry out of high school not too many of them so i kind of just brushed it to the side and uh continued to go the way i wanted to go and in that he started revealing to me like this is the bigger picture you know this is why you're not going to play in college like i'm going to use basketball i'm going to use sport just in a different capacity or whatever the case may be and so um Time goes by, and I finally told my mom, I was like, hey, I'm not going to play in college. I had offers, had several offers, and uh, word got around, man, and when I say people started to dog me out, oh, my goodness. So (laughs) a lot of the people that was praising me and all that, oh, you sitting down on your gift. Oh, this, that, and the other. You know, a whole bunch of stuff was said. I was just like, wow. You know, that uh, it made me feel a certain type of way because – it just show you how how gruesome the sports world could be. And yeah. I'll be honest with you, if I had not, I believe if I had not had that a long time during my injury to really um, solidify my faith and become strong in my faith, that that could have took me to places that mentally and emotionally that I may not have been able to handle by myself. Yeah, um, just the people you saying, like the people yeah. that build you up and then tear you down? Just the people in the community, you yeah. know? It wasn't really, you know, family had some disappointment, but it wasn't, they wasn't downing. But like the other people that, oh, yeah, I'm going to support you and, you know, this, that, and the other. And then they find out you're not playing. It's like, well, dang, I can't ride off you now. Like, what good are you to me now? And, and so, that's, you know. That's messed up, man. Like, because it's so real. Like, so many people, like, they they say they with you, but they got mm, something mm. to gain from it. So it's like, right. yeah, you rocking with me. Because in the back of your mind, you you seeing me in the league and what you really doing is seeing us in the league. Right. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, that's crazy. You know, that I think I think it's cool though. Like it it you know, even just talking to you, um, you know, we haven't interacted a whole lot other than like liking some posts or something on social media. And I think um, you know, you definitely even now come off like super grounded and mature 
Um, and I say this as a good thing. And I think sometimes, um, and this is just a personal opinion. Like, you know, if I grew up around basketball my whole entire life, um, so I got a lot of friends, family that played. Now, I've seen um, the impact of sports up close and personal. And the one thing I will tell people about sports that I always feel like people don't never step, take a step back and think about is we push our kids into sports super early, right? And uh-huh. you talked about it. Like this popularity that comes with this, it can take your mind to different places. That's what you yeah. said, right? And I think a lot of people should be able to relate to like, if you hooped and ever been praised for like doing like good on the court, you know, like, yo, people treat you different. Teachers, yeah. everybody, right? And what happens is I was thinking about this one day. Most people play basketball. Let's say you start at 10 years old, right? Mm-hmm. You start at 10 years old, you play basketball. If you really good, you in high school playing. If you really exceptional, you in college playing. In college, like, look, I, I, again, I was around basketball players my whole life. And in college, you don't have a lot of time for the school and stuff. You're playing. One thing I've learned about sports is that at a very young age, it can teach you to be praised. Uh-huh. And it's like if you good, your whole life has been based around people telling you how good you are. And it actually just gets worse and worse the older and the better yeah. you get. Um, so, I, so I don't want people who listen to, to overlook um, like how, how much um, maturity it would take for someone in the midst of that as a young person um, to pass that up. So, so I actually got a lot of respect uh, for you for doing that. And so now I'm, I'm interested though. Right. So we, we've heard kind of about like a lot of your backstory and, and how you kind of uh, grew up. Mm-hmm. And it sounds like at this point, 11th grade, you start, you know, realizing the Lord shows you in this dream, what you're going to end up doing now, how long did it take? And, and take me now to like coach ivory, like how long okay. did it take for that to start happening? Uh, it took about four years. And so, um, made that announcement, uh, graduated high school. I ended up going to UTA Arlington to pursue a kinesiology bachelor's of science, exercise science. Nice. And again, that was the first step to get a physical therapy degree. You had to have your bachelor's degree first. So I did that and I did an internship, uh, my first internship at a physical therapy center. Let me back up. And actually, as I went, I went to college, my best friend paid at UTA. Right. So I was like, man, kind of missed the game. Da, 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 da. So I actually became a manager one year and I was thinking about trying to walk on. And uh, even in being a manager, God kept reminding me, like, this is not what I have for you. So I even let the manager position go. So first, like I said, first internship was at a physical therapy center. And the PT was real honest with me. I enjoyed it. Um, I was like, cool, maybe I can be able to do this. Second internship comes around, and it's at a training facility. I had become real close with one of my classmates, uh, named Marquise Day. And he had put me on the internship. So I went on to this internship thinking that I was just going to be one of the people at the facility that was going to uh, answer calls, get clients, you know, that type of thing, right? And this facility was like 
from ground up. I was there from the day we were putting squat racks, uh, turf down, like it was not established at all, right? And so owner came to me out of nowhere one day and was like, hey, we need trainers and you got a Kinesis degree. You should go get certified as a trainer. It's like right on, uh, right on ground with what you're studying. And I was like, whoa, like I didn't sign up for this. <laughs> and uh, I tell you what sold me. He sat me down and he talked numbers with me. He told me the number one rule of business is to know your numbers. So, you know, being in college, you want to make money. I was still in school. I had another year. And he sold me on how much money I can make. Yeah. So I was like, shoot, let's go for it. Went for it, uh, passed my certification test, started training there. And uh, long story short, just through the years, God started revealing to me that this is what he had for me in the future. And I didn't begin to realize that, but it was like I had never been exposed to sports performance training until I got there. But then, boom, that's the dream I had. Okay, God, I see puzzles of pieces kind of be putting together. Yep. And um graduated from high school. I continue or excuse me, from college. I continue to work there. And I can't remember exactly like when I started feeling kind of off, but things started to vex my spirit there. And I mean vex, like I started dreading getting up and doing the thing that I had loved to do. And I wasn't understanding why. And it came down to that God was getting ready to transition me back to my hometown to start my own thing. And he had revealed that to me. And I was like, go back to Lufkin? And I'm <laughs> making this type of money? No way. Like, <laughs> I thought it was a joke. Right. And so I didn't move when he told me to move. I didn't. And uh, he humbled me again. I won't go into much details, but just like long story short, I was making a solid amount of money in a matter of about two months. All the money that I had made got wiped out um, for repairs that I had to do on my truck. And I ended up uh, resigning from my job in November. And I didn't move back to my hometown until like the following June. And so for that period of time, like I was living off really faith in a prayer. No gotcha. income. I was just living off things that I had already had saved up and stuff like that. And um, that's what he was like. I'm moving you back home to start this ministry. So I moved back home with about $200 in my account. Used that 200 to buy equipment and buy equipment and um, start my business. And from there, He's been blessing me. And I'll be honest with you, it's been time even on this entrepreneur journey of becoming, quote unquote, Coach Ivory, that I've lost sight of the ministry side of it. And so um, in those times, he's had to spank me, start me over. And so my biggest thing with um, my brand, Fifth Quarter Performance and the whole Coach Ivory is like, I want kids to understand that sports are great, but that sports cannot be your guide. I want them to understand who they are beyond an athlete and who they are in Christ and let those things thrive or, or push you as an athlete. And so um, it's things that I wish I would have known when I was growing up. I think the trajectory of things may have been a little bit different, but uh, I haven't always been comfortable sharing that because, I mean, let's be honest. A lot of people don't want to talk about the spiritual side of sports, right. you know, but it's a it's a different world out there, especially on the political side. And 
kids just have to be they have to be ready they have to know the reality of certain things and um like in anything in life when you seek god and put him first like other things will be added unto you and that's amazing i just think that 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 has become overlooked and um we dealing with like you were saying kids that are prideful because of how they've been praised since they've been playing ball. We see kids who are using sports as an idol because they're looking for fulfillment in areas that they don't know where they're lacking. We have young kids who are um, riding on sports as a way to get out the hood. You know what I'm saying? Like sports are are becoming almost the thing for certain kids. And I just want to do the best I can to make sure that they don't misuse it. Yeah. And to that point, like, Look, first of all, this is really amazing stuff to me that you're doing. And like you got nothing but love from Inspire Guys people as it relates to going down this unconventional path of like really um, incorporating ministry into sports. I think it's needed. Um, Number one, because I think a lot of kids start off as Christians in sports, but the more they're assimilated into the lifestyle of being an athlete the further they get away from Christ. Because if we think about it, being a believer, a Christian, which means follower of Christ, is literally about denying yourself, as Jesus called us to do daily, right? And the further you get into your athletic journey, the better you are. It really is about being praised. Just think, you go, Mm -hmm. like I tell people all the time, put yourself in the mindset of a a 18, 19-year-old that's been playing for eight or nine years now, probably never really worked too many jobs because when you play sports, you have to play year round, especially when you're really good. So yo, so a lot of the things that normal kids are doing, you really are sacrificing at an early age, which can, it, there could be some positivity to that. But my point is like you, your whole life, like never working a job, playing this sport, teachers, um, sometimes cheating for your grades to make you eligible. Um, everybody like you, if you know, the, the the kids in school think you cute like that's a really unrealistic way for any of us to live our lives without any level of self-denial we're gonna become prideful so I think it's really dope that now you've transitioned you know um, with fifth quarter performance and now you're coaching and one of the things like you got this quote um, on Instagram that I really love it's not just coaching it's ministry so I love that you are like on the forefront with that. And, and I'm, I'm curious, right? So as you're like coaching kids and, you know, I've seen you do a lot of stuff on Instagram. Um, that's at coach ivory for anybody. And, you know, they can also look in a description link of the show, um, your, um, Instagram link and, and things like that'll be, um, in the description of the show, but coach ivory, um, there's an underscore between coach and ivory, but I'm curious, like how do your existing clientele like how do these kids and their parents um respond to the idea of this being coaching and ministry like are are you attracting people who are more for the sports and they're being introduced to the ministry side or people who are more coming to you because they are intrigued by the ministry and sports is secondary i'm just i'm just curious how your clientele um views what you're doing and and what your experiences are like from that perspective it's been a, a a mixture of both. Um, 
And that's one of the things when I really started kind of putting uh, the brand out there, man, nobody going to train with you. You always talk about Jesus, blah, blah, blah. So my, my perspective on that is the same amount of people that don't want to train because I may push faith. Um, it's that many people and more that will train because I yep. push faith. And my big thing is like, uh, I wholeheartedly believe that there will be athletes who will come to know Christ because they are part of fifth quarter performance program. Now, um, in saying that too, like in the way that my business is structured right now, I don't push a lot of the ministry as a group per se in mm -hmm. the sessions. A lot of it happens on social media. A lot of it happens through my website and things of that nature, but I'm working on some things that the ministry side, um, will become more prevalent if that makes sense. So prayerful about, you know, a building and things of that nature to start doing more of the ministry side through a nonprofit organization. But like parents, they know I don't just, I don't throw Jesus on people. Yeah. But what I've learned is that when I let my light shine, like something, it, it just, it shines and people become, or they want to know like, well, what is it? And then boom, they go to Instagram and they see man, everything she puts up is X, Y, and Z. Or kids hear me say all the time, like, man, y'all got to keep God first. Or keep God first. Like, they hear me say those things. So it's not like I'm constantly preaching at them. You know, it's just the small things they do, the consistency of what Coach Ivy puts on Instagram or the consistency of what she tells me when I'm at the game or after the game or through a text message is really where the ministry side happens. And it's crazy because um, it really – the ministry side for me, I was saying this season for most of my clientele has become a confidence thing and helping kids understand like who they are and that they don't have to try to be something that they're not. That's been like a big thing for me. And parents um, have always come to me talking about, man, their confidence has grown so much and all that. And it's because like I was under the pressure of trying to live up to the expectation of people. So I, I know how that feels. And so just encouraging them that, hey, God created you to be who you are, not who mama wants you to be, not who coach wants you to be, not who your teammates want you to be, not who anybody in the community to be. But he created to be created you to be who you are. And when they can recognize that, like they get out there and they have fun and they be who they are. So. That's that's kind of been what it's been for me this past, I say, past year or so. I love it. And, you know, the other thing, too, I think people don't realize, like, what I really like about your story is that it's a path of basketball that led somewhere unique. And, like, a lot of times, like, this happens a lot with, like, sports and music. And you talked about it, like, with sports. Like, these are the things that a lot of kids are using to try to escape you know, there exists poverty and the lifestyle that um, a lot of people grow up in. And, and of course, that's understandable. I used to be that kid that thought basketball was going to be um, my my way out. And, and I got humbled several times. Um, and, but what I realized is that, you know, we like we have to trust God that when he closes a door, it's not to keep you stuck in a room. It's mm -hmm. to it's to push you towards another door. and so many of us by chasing like what we want, we actually limit ourselves. And I'll give you an example. Yeah. How many ball players do we know that chased it the typical route and stall out after college? 
and uh-huh. then try to have to be assimilated into the real world and literally don't know what to do because again they've been praised their whole life they don't know what to do now that they're you know a civilian if you will but what happens is when you actually unlock all of what sports has to offer it can go so many ways like yourself right dabbling in uh physical therapy now um being a, a CEO of uh a sports um management and performance uh, player development and uh performance coach like th- those things those are rich experiences that sometimes we rob our children of because we basically tell them if you're not LeBron James, if you're not, you know, the next yeah. best thing, then you're useless. Uh-huh. So I love I love what you do with that. So um, one last thing I want to talk about before um, we we get you out of here. And I think we've talked about it indirectly, really, this whole interview. But like you said this earlier and it's just stuck. In, in my mind, because like you said, basketball at one point had became an idol. And I think sometimes people struggle with understanding how good things can become idols. So can you just talk about that a little bit? Like, how did this game that, you know, like people would be like, what's wrong? How basketball become an idol? What's wrong with that? But how does a good thing become an idol? What does that look like? So really, for me, an idol is anything that takes the place of God. And so, um, oh, or what God should be in your life. So again, um, speaking to my situation and even situations I know a lot of athletes uh, look to, any moment that you start to feel less than or you start to feel unfulfilled or you start to feel unappreciated or whatever the case may be, to me, whatever you turn to first is where your heart is. And again, I could hide behind basketball because it was natural for me. I didn't have to do much to to succeed at it. And so a lot of times when I was frustrated or I didn't feel loved or whatever, I knew I could go dribble a basketball, I could go shoot a basketball, and boom, somebody was going to say something to me that made me feel good. Right. But that was just like a Band-Aid over a bullet wound because when the game is over or when the ball is flat or whatever the case may be, I'm still dealing with that same feeling of not feeling fulfilled or not feeling appreciated or not feeling loved or whatever it might be. And so that's why I said it became an idol because I kept prioritizing that for a temporary fix when I really needed to be looking at Christ. First of all, to find out what the root cause of what I was dealing with. Was it low self-esteem? Was it that I was struggling with my dad not being there? Was it pride? And then from there, allow him to fix my heart so that basketball now wasn't an idol. It became an instrument for me. And so people look at it. Oh, it's just a sport. Yeah, it's just a sport. But when we don't understand where the sport should take precedence in our life, then it can become an idol. Amen to that. Um, Ivory Four, Coach Ivory Four, I really appreciate um your time today in this interview was um, really cool. Um, I, I love uh, the maturity and I pray nothing but success for your business. I'm going to leave the people um, with the quote. And then I just want you to tell them, um, you know, have the last word and tell them where they can find you and things. But you have a quote on your Instagram um, that I really like. It says, dear athlete, God trusted you with at- with athletic talent to bring his name glory, not make your name great. So last word, Coach Ivory. Um, tell the people where to find you 
um, and learn more about your business, especially if they're in that Texas area, East Texas, I believe you said. Um, but thanks again. And, um, you know, last word on you. Okay. Well, first, Jermaine, let me say I appreciate uh opportunity to share with you on today. And uh, y'all can find me, like he said, on Instagram at coach underscore ivory. And as well as check out my brand, Fifth Quarter Performance at fifth, F-I-F-T-H-Q-P dot com. Thank you so much, Coach Ivory. And that is Ivory, I-V-O-R-I-E. Um, have a wonderful day. Thanks for waking up early and getting this interview out the way for me. Um, <laughs> and God bless you and stay in touch, all right? You too. Take care. Thanks a lot. Yeah. Thank you for listening to today's show Now go and tell everybody that you may know We serving inspiration like it's on the menu We trying to guide you to the person that you meant to Be inspired, you can learn it and become that Ain't afraid to hit rock bottom cause we from that I mean we got flaws But we ain't stopped yet cause we ain't ours I mean we ain't yours We ain't from here, child of God We got flaws But we ain't from here cause we ain't yours I mean, we ain't ours, we ain't stopped yet, child of God. I mean, uh, yeah. I ain't from here, bro, yo, uh, uh, uh. I ain't from here, bro, uh, yeah. I ain't from here, sis, no, uh, uh, uh. I ain't from here, sis.